Welcome everybody to Dad Talk Today. I'm your host, Eric Carroll. Thank you so much for being here. We have an amazing podcast lined up for you today. We are a podcast that talks about all things fatherhood. Before we start, please make sure to visit all of our social media websites, our podcast links, rate, review, subscribe, and help us towards the cause that we are trying to do here today. And no matter what you're going through today, Dad, we hope that this podcast leaves you inspired with your head held high. Keep fighting, and tomorrow you will find progress. Stay cool. Stay Dad. This episode brought to you by www.dadtalktoday.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Dad Talk Today. I am your host, Eric Carroll, and as always, we've got another amazing episode lined up for you. Before we get started, I want to give a shout out to our sponsors because without them, this show would not be possible. We are sponsored by the Isaac Law Firm, the Clock Law Firm, Upstream Growth Consultants, the Father's Rights Movement, and the House Champ, Yaya McLean. He's got his title now. Let him help you get yours. Two-time world champion and former son-in-law of Muhammad Ali. Anyway, guys, I hope you're doing well. Have you followed us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Anchor? Uh, I, I'm sure I'm leaving something off, but we're on all of them, especially Facebook, guys, where you can get these interviews as soon as they come out, as well as we got a TV show. And if you would like to help out our podcast, you can join us and become a member at patreon.com slash dad talk today or maybe you would like to get some cool dad talk today merchandise shop.threadmob.com slash dad talks i hope you're doing well and amazing this week and i hope this interview helps you in some way guys keep making steps towards progress and you will get there stay cool stay dad if you're a mom stay mom (laughs) whatever it is we are glad that you are here and we hope this podcast has helped you in some way Without further ado, here comes our podcast, and we will see you next time. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Dad Talk Today. I am your host, Eric Carroll, joined, as always, by my man, Chris Gannon. Chris Gannon. And tonight, we've got a very special guest, uh, Miss Kelly Jones. You might know her former husband, Alex Jones, from InfoWars, but Kelly, how are you doing tonight? Well, I'm very grateful to be here, Eric. It's great to see you and Chris, and I'm looking forward to it. Yes, ma'am. Uh, right away, guys, I'd like to list our sponsors because without them, this would not be possible. We are sponsored by the Isaac Law Firm, the newest sponsor, the Clock Law Firm, um, Upstream Growth Consultants, the Father's Rights Movement, and the house champ, Mr. Yaya McLean. He's got his title. Now let him help you get yours. But Kelly, I want to jump right into this because I want to pick your head about something that we don't get to talk about much over here, which is like high profile cases and and cases where a lot of money has came into play. I think it's a general misconception that, you know, the the father gets the short end of the stick all the time, but that's just not true. And I think your story tonight will help somebody that's going through that. Could you tell us a little bit of what it's been like trying to fight against this machine, really? Well, I would say like most litigants that file for divorce, you know, it took me a long time to come to that decision and I filed collaboratively trying to work it out and I was forced to go into litigation and 
uh, once I found myself in there, like I believed in sort of the concept that we as Americans generally have from TV, even of law and order or even antiquated Matlock, whatever, that law was this golden and perfect thing and a trustworthy, safe place where justice would be served. And what I have found in what's now over six years of litigation is that, for instance, in my case, even winning a jury trial, uh, I'm still in litigation. So I've found it to be a very complicated, incentivized, you know, money-based system. We all know it's an adversarial system replete with many, many problems. Um, yeah, it's been a ride. I mean, if I could give you my docket sheet, which I can't because my case is sealed, it'd be like a paperback book, like, you know, so many motions and actions and hearings. And somebody once told me my jury trial had a longer transcript than a major Microsoft trial. So wow. basically my position on all of that is, is the more money that can be attained by, there are, there are some very great ethical attorneys, but unethical attorneys or incentivized unethical experts or sort of uh, adjuncts to this system, they will push the conflict at the expense of the children to pad their wallets when they know that they're doing so unethically. So um, it's, it's a pretty shocking thing to discover. Um, and I'm working on developing tools to help clients that are sort of, I think, it, I think it works for all clients, but to really understand where your money's going, what you are um, needing to document or to know generally about the process, how to protect yourself and how to communicate effectively with your counsel to save money and things of that nature. But um, even if you do all those things, let's face the facts, if you've got a, a judge or a court that's allowing these actions to continue when evidently they're not in the children's best interest, which is another thing we should talk about. But if, if they're allowing that to happen, you're still going to be in this litigation. So you've got to just do your best to be your best. And that's for you, really. It's for your kids. When you take care of yourself, it's taking care of them, too. Right. So, Kelly, Kelly I, I want to pick your head about something real quick. You know, it, it's bad enough when we're going through divorce and we're going through these cases. But when it's in the public eye, when, when, when you know, there's, there's people that are, are watching this because they know who your husband is, they know what you're going through. What has that process been like knowing that all of these people are watching your case? Well, actually, I, so I first filed to seal my case way back when I filed collaboratively. I thought, let's protect the kids. Let's keep them out of the public eye. And even after the media was present, they did a pretty good job of sort of respecting our kids' privacy. Um, I think that privacy and sealed cases are actually a problem for litigants when they're in a high-conflict divorce because that's the crux of the First Amendment. It isn't just free speech. It's also the presumption of openness, that we need to have open courts and awareness, which I think in these higher conflict cases, not just mine, but maybe a, a celebrity divorce or whatever it is, so that people can understand what's really going on and be like, I think that itself would raise eyebrows. Like, how is this happening? You know, um, but as far as being in the public eye, like, it's, it's very hard. It sort of goes towards the power dynamic. We were talking about how... I don't, you know, there's this uh, sort of myth to me, and you already mentioned it, I believe, that, you know, men usually get the short end of the stick. And I truly don't believe that's the case. I believe it's sort of the less powerful party or the less wealthy party who doesn't have the money to fund the litigation, who isn't maybe wanting to fund the litigation, right, that is usually getting the short end of the stick. Um, 
so in my case, it, it was, I would say it was frustrating the jury trial coverage, like people joking about like some of the things that my ex-husband said on the stand about a bowl of chili or a performance actor and still joking about it. Like it's funny. It's like, no, these are horrible in the context of this litigation that somebody would say they can't remember somebody's grade because they had a bowl of chili. That's not really funny. It's really like, should immediately be like, what the heck? Like this dad, you know, whatever. Um, but like the performance actor thing was really tough and people still joke about it and people still like kind of believe that he's acting, I guess, even though he's testified contrarily in the Sandy Hook case and in the current litigation I'm in. Um, but what was really hard is I tried to unseal my case. I actually really was grateful for the press's presence because behind closed doors and even after the jury, things have been so really unjust. No, like as far as like due process 101, like not noticed for hearings, orders entered when I wasn't even allowed to be in the courtroom, things of that nature, right? Um, but after the jury trial, my ex-husband went on the air on his show that then had like 2 million something, you know, a day or something of viewers and lied about the history of the case and construed me to be a crazy person and, and lauded the wonderful court and said that they thought they should rule this way. And they did ultimately and went on there with his attorney. And I mean, y'all have been in litigation for a while. So, you know, like, I was like, well, super defamation. Well, it doesn't really work like that. You know, right. the words out there. And then I start getting all kinds of threats and accusations and my kids are seeing this. And so it's just ugly. I mean, I think the best thing we can do is to be dignified and respectful within the process and outside of it. But I do understand why people do want uh, open courts, me particularly, like that's a point of my advocacy because in secrecy, terrible things can happen. Right. right. And the other thing our audience needs to know, and I actually found this out by following your case a few years ago, uh, Texas is one of the only states where you can have a jury trial. Uh, it, it's not like here in Maryland where you go in and, and you know, the, the court, the judge makes the decision based off of hearing evidence. And in Texas, you can have a jury trial. Can, can you capitalize on what that's like a little bit for our audience? Because that's a very foreign concept to a lot of people watching this interview. Well, um, I think it's a shame that other places don't have, you know, it's a basic constitutional right to be try have a trial by jury. Um, however, I will say that my experience, it doesn't really matter because the judge can abuse their discretion and the remedy for that is a tremendous amount of appellate work and, mm -hmm. you know, judicial complaint to people that are probably have associated with the judge or whatever and then you become mm -hmm. this you know agitated person when you're just trying to get justice um but as far as the process goes i mean before we got to jury we were at six million dollars um i got about maybe 10 percent of our state even though it's a community property state right. so that jury trial itself was like my side at least a million dollars and it was every day all day in my case which is what it's been unfortunately every day for pretty much six years and incredibly harrowing, um, just exhausting like any hearing or trial would be um, and, and frustrating because even when the jury came back with the decision for me to be primary parent, the court wouldn't even entertain any change in orders for a month. And then she did all the stuff that was in violation of the Texas Family Code, like gave him conservatorship, which is the only thing that the jury in Texas can rule on. So. That's important to know too, like 
it's really hard for litigants, especially if they're getting into this, to understand the really complicated intricacies of the law, right? Mm -hmm. But so the jury in Texas only decides conservatorship, um, like medical, educational, and uh, they can decide primary residence. They don't decide possession and access. So if you've got uh, some very, you know, highly incentivized attorneys who are paid all kinds of money to come and write brief after brief about why it should be this way, who are willing to go on a huge radio show and tell the judge how she should rule, which is a Texas disciplinary uh, rules, uh, professional rules for the attorneys, it's a violation. Does it matter? You think it would matter, but it's kind of like when you get in the courtroom, you guys know this. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not like justice is going to prevail and the remedy is so complicated. So I would say exhausting, harrowing, you know, it was, uh, it was also very validating because in my case, for instance, I was able to prove that the incentivized experts had admitted to perjury about saying I had done things I absolutely had not done and that wow. they had said that separately amongst themselves. And, you know, I was able to show a lot and to show basically the confirmatory bias that was built up. And even the jury clearly saw it, right? Because they decided for me. Right. But even with that, the judge was like, sorry. <laughs> you know, she wasn't, so she didn't say sorry. <laughs> she was like, no. <laughs> and so I'm still, I'm still working on it. Um, I do consider myself to have won uh, insofar as that nobody wins in court and the right. kids are the ones who lose the most. But you win when you proceed according to your ethics and abilities, which is a very hard thing to navigate in this, right. honest God. Now, Kelly, one of the things that I told you prior to starting the show that I wanted to ask you, can you kind of walk us down the road of how mentally and emotionally you were affected when the alienation and all the court proceedings began, especially having the spotlight on you being Alex's ex-wife at that point in the media, you know, looking into your case? Uh, can you talk about how you felt some of the things you went through and then how eventually you built yourself back up, started to cope with them to be the person that we're talking to on screen right now? Okay. Well, thanks for asking, Chris. Um, well, first of all, the jury trial that everybody saw, that wasn't a divorce case. That was my, that was the first modification that Alex filed. He sued me again for custody a year after the divorce was final. And so that was when we were in the public eye. But actually, like I said before, my case was super secret sealed and private. I didn't have hearings in a courtroom or a courthouse. I had them in like a fancy conference room at the W Hotel or in a fancy office building. And I didn't even know my rights to have that ability to have to be in an open court. And I didn't have any community. So I was really isolated. I left uh, what I've been outspoken about, try not to be too detailed about it, but I believe was a really uh, bad situation of domestic violence. And I was a homeschool mom. I was with my kids all the time. And I was, in fact, I was homeschooling them on the day that I went to my first mediation. I was so close to all my kids. And when uh, I moved to litigation and one of these experts came in and there are good experts, but there's a lot of really, in my experience, uh, experts that are willing to do whatever. Not, I'm not saying that they're bribed, but I'm saying that they're getting a lot of money to keep the conflict going, right? And they're getting referrals on other cases and all these people are working together. And in Texas, judges are elected, so it's also a political thing. Um, but my kids started showing up. Uh, this person came in and even though my ex-husband wasn't exercising even the possession that he agreed to, 
she started pushing my kids more and more with him. And my kids were showing up completely distressed and unhappy and alleging things about me, which were absolutely not true. And, uh, you know, just shocking things were happening. I didn't know what was going on. I was like, right. what the heck is going on? I didn't have, um, I had never during my marriage, my ex-husband had allowed me to be on social media. I was very, very isolated in the country on my property. Right. And I started obviously doing some research and I'm like, wow, this is alienation. Right. And I, I believe, um, that this phenomenon exists. I think it's been misused against, uh, and we talked about this too, like parental alienation, which are the manifestations of that you'll see in your kids is like coach language, um, you know, unilateral or reciprocal, uh, support for a parent, even when you don't like, say you say, well, um, gee, I really like to do this. Well, my dad likes to do that too. You know, like some the kids leaping up to that, um, allegations of things that are obviously not true and a sort of reworking of their own mental history of what it is. It's right. really kind of a form of brainwashing. And let's face it, how many TV shows are there about this? It's not like it doesn't no. exist, but it's the way that again, there's one in the parental alienation. We've got it. <laughs> right. And, but, but it does get misused. And so I sort of look at it more as like court abuse or right. child abuse or coercive control. Um, you know, and I'm here on, with y'all and parental alienation is, and you guys are sponsored by the dad's rights movement. I believe all parents have rights and I believe it's super important for us to narrow the gender divide in this sort of, uh, area of discussion and come together on things that we can effectively change and work together in our own different ways and have it be just everyone's rights. Cause as we were talking before, Eric, um, you know, a lots of moms do lose their kids for horrible, unfair reasons. And, um, it becomes, it, be, it almost becomes in this community, like divided along the line, sort of like a marriage, right? And we really have a lot of places we can come together and meet to affect change, which does need to happen. Right. Yeah. And, and we've, we've started a, a new podcast called mom talk today and the, the father's rights thing. So that's, that's there, there has been a little bit of gender bias and it's hard because a lot of the fathers that are making their, their way inside the community, when they hear a mother speak, they're thinking that's their ex sitting over there. It's the same thing with mothers. When, when they see a, a father talking, they think the same thing, but um, there's definitely things that we, you know, we try to target with those, but the community has got to come together. This isn't a one-sided issue. There's no race. There's no gender. There's no country. I'm telling you, like, this is a worldwide issue. And that was something we was talking about before we went live was raising the awareness to the next level, getting it out to the general population and getting more people involved. Do you have any ideas on how we could actually start advocating and bringing in more people? I sure do, Eric. And I, I just want to hop back to one point when you're saying people are saying dad's rights or mom's rights and they're reacting to that. I mean, that sort of goes around what we were talking about before and what I'm working on, which is I'm developing a program called Brave and Flourish. It's your reactivity. It's the emotional reactivity that we inherently have. And people are super raw and upset, justifiably so, in divorce or in custody litigation, right? So it's sort of coming to a place of wise mind where we as a group or as individuals can realize that it's going to be a whole heck of a lot more effective. And yeah, there are people that get really hurt that are dads that deserve to have their kids. And yeah, there's moms that get really hurt that deserve, de deserve to have their kids. But 
as long as we're looking at it like that, we've got to just kind of get wiser about it, I think. And as far as affecting change, I'm doing something kind of different. Um, like I'm developing the Brave and Flourish program to kind of show people how to strengthen in place. Is what I say. Like you prevail no matter what. You win no matter what. If you become a better, calmer, you know, more uh, stronger person while you're in it. And it's certainly not easy. But if you can get strong while you're going through this, imagine the power that you're developing. And, and that sort of, for me, crosses across all things, not just therapeutically, uh, you know, through the different therapeutic models I've discussed, um, or through dance or strength training, physical physical training, whatever it is, but also like entrepreneurial development, developing your own voice. Uh, who are you going to be when you're coming out of this? What can you do? And that's a, also a component of the therapy that I participate in, which is a skills-based therapy, which I love, DBT. Um, but what is the meaning in this for you? Like, how do you find the meaning? How can you use what you have to make a difference? And as far as, uh, you know, sort of affecting change and raising awareness, you guys are doing a fantastic job. Thank You're you. getting all over the place out there. Congratulations <laughs> to you all. I mean, there's all kinds of different arenas of discussion and communities around this. There's, there's guys like you that are, that are covering what you're doing and bringing community together. There are people that talk about, you know, problems with divorcing people that are maybe narcissists. There's people that talk about parenting and divorce. There's all different kinds of discussion. I think we go back again to uh, the presumption of openness in the first amendment. I think that we have a big problem in family court where parents are, um, sort of disempowered, disenfranchised by having their own voice and their own constitutional right of moral instruction sort of suppressed. So, I mean, basically at the crux of it all is the family, right? Like at right. the base of everything, if you can't speak truthfully to your kids about what's going on and that does not mean he is bad or she is bad. It means like I'm your mom and mm. there goes my phone. <laughs> Sorry about that guys. Um, but, uh, Oh, I might have some feedback now. So yeah. Kelly, I, I, there, there's something else I'd like to ask you about. But, so, But could I add one more thing to that too? Yeah. Because I think I have a particularly interesting way to raise awareness. And um, what I'm trying to do when I develop the other sort of side of what I'm doing, which is divorce client savvy, it's client-based knowledge and information that will help clients understand what they need to know, you know, what, how to document things if unfortunately they're going awry, how to be effective with your attorney, how to save money by being effective with your attorney. But I'm actually developing uh, not only like hard copy things, but apps and things of that nature. Because my idea is this, um, I, it's obvious you've got some great corporate sponsors, right? That are actually ethical attorneys. There are good guys out there. And I've met with a lot of them that say, it's messed up out there. Like, what can we do? Well, if you've got a system that is transparent to both sides, so like if you have experts in your case, like in a case like mine, there have been something like 30 plus experts, if you can believe it. I mean, it's super complicated. But if they have to be transparent to both sides, if maybe even your communications, you'll agree with your ex or your, you know, the person with whom you had a child, that you will communicate openly to each other about what your thoughts and plans are in this, right. then that transparency creates a, a discourse and it gives you the ability to, um, to defend yourself in advance from possible future things. But if we had a, attorneys and experts and the therapeutic community who really, we really need to reach out to, we really need to reach out to the people with like the APA and the different 
uh, psychological associations to say, hey, this is a problem. And I think they do know it's a problem. But say you have people that will only operate in this sort of a model. And they become like, instead of having the American Express badge or whatever, they get the badge that we're gonna use this type of a system, whatever it may be. Then that's somebody you know that you can trust going into, right? Or that at least like that, that has, is willing to have this be less of a fight and more of a collaborative process. And so I think that's one way we can do it. We also need to like, I, I, I don't know if we discussed this on the air, but you know, getting more education into administrators of schools and medical providers and things of that nature, because what happens is the complexity of litigation can present the litigant as being somehow um, not as much a part of the child's life or right. when they express a desire to be more of my son's changed in here um, of a child's life, then that can really look weird to school, but schools need to really understand what can be going on and they need to make it more accessible to joint managing conservators, basically. Right. Kelly, um, one thing, you know, and symptoms that we've noticed with parental alienation is even though, say, you know, you're the one that's being alienated, there's an unbelievable guilt that comes with that, with not being able to see your child. Sometimes you start letting some of the criticism come your way. And when you're not seeing your children, that's one of the worst things that could ever happen to you. You, you don't have your family. Yeah. And I think it becomes one of those things that we just focus on all the time and it can get a little unhealthy sometimes because you still got to live your life. One of the reasons they are alienating you and they, they do the things that they're doing is to get you to where you don't want to do anything, you know, and you just kind of give up on life. Has there been something that you've done to keep your mind focused and like kind of get outside and keep your mind healthy? Absolutely. I mean, what you're talking about, basically, Eric, is like being gaslit. You know, it's this typical thing where, I mean, this happened to me a lot in my marriage. They, somebody will tell you there's something wrong with you so much that you start questioning or your reality isn't correct. Like something's wrong with your perception. So you start like kind of questioning it. And if you have all this attention focused on you and um, are under such rigors and then your child, you already feel guilty just for divorcing, right? Like right. you didn't want your relationship not to work out or for separating whatever it may be a custody situation. And then you see your child being hurt and you believe at some, at some place in you, there's this knowledge that you had a part in whatever didn't work out in the relationship. And so it's very tough. I mean, for me, I have to be very dedicated to my self care. And that's why, like, I have this thing that I want to bring forward to people like Brave and Flourish. Like, I'm super um, committed to no matter what, taking care of myself and taking time for the place where I reside, which is in prayer or meditation and strengthening my mind, learning things, you know, whatever it may be. But I have, I work a lot in uh, mindfulness and radical acceptance. And to me, that looks like faith and prayer. And to me, even if uh, your faith is different than mine, you can and must find faith in yourself. And so speaking to that part of yourself or to your uh, higher authority to me as God and Jesus Christ and, and reaching out and believing in that enough to keep on keeping on and taking time. You got to, sometimes you got to take a break. <laughs> you got to sharpen the saw. I mean, this is like, you got to kind of almost look at it like, um, training, like you're in training for this thing. You're in, it's a, uh, it is it's kind of a war, like yeah, a custody you're war. At war. You're at war. You might not have picked the war. I always say, well, they, they call it high conflict or a custody battle. I say, well, it's not only a battle if you're under siege. Right. right. And so also the defense, 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 I mean, stand tall in yourself, 
Like one of my, I think the worst things that happens to people is they're told to bow down and acquiesce to the failures and who they are and allow all this complexity in. Yes, acknowledge if you've got shortcomings and grow and strengthen, but don't acknowledge things that you are not true about yourself ever. And uh, if you've got some issues, who doesn't? <laughs> Take care of it, you know, get help. Get help from somebody who's a real healer, you know, get it because you want it, because you want to be a better parent, not to win in court, not for this and that and the other. You know, Kelly, would you, would you say it's fair to say that in your specific case that uh, attorneys probably had a big influence on getting it to the point where it is here unnecessarily? Would you say that? I mean, I would say that 100%. Okay. I'm going to turn a little bit because I can't, <laughs> the sense of my eyes. <laughs> um, I mean, yes. I mean, this is so tragic. And what's really tragic is these are attorneys with like super lawyer behind their name. And right. yet, like in the case, if you just look at Alex's attorneys, I mean, for goodness sakes, these are people who went on the air and told a judge how she should rule and praised her. And actually, just before our last orders were entered, they donated $6,500 to her fellowship, the fellowship oh. in her name. So, I mean, yeah, no, they make money. And I think at a certain juncture in my case, I really feel like they know that they have acted so egregiously that they're keeping it up just so that, you know, they're just waiting for me to fall down. And that's one thing I haven't done yet. I won't quit. I won't quit for my kids. I can't afford fancy attorneys anymore. I'm my own attorney, which I do not recommend if you can find counsel. Yeah, it's I've done almost impossible to win pro se, right? But um, I'm not going to give up um, on my kids and I'm not going to give up on me. And I've, I've been thinking about that a lot too lately. Like uh, now my kids are older, you know, when, when this started, I mean, my son is now aging out, you know, my uh, youngest daughter was six or she was five when I filed, uh, lost her when she was six years old. She lost her mama and was raised by nannies and strangers. And now she's 12. And as kids get older, I think they, first kids are really bound to you, you know, through the developmental process. And they're kind of looking outward more. If they're looking outward and they see a really strong, positive, kind person. And Lord knows when you're dealing with an alienated kid, sometimes it's really hard. You know, one of the things I've started doing lately is putting up more boundaries. Whereas before, during my litigation, whenever I would put up a boundary, that's when the allegations would start and I would lose my kids because what kid's going to want boundaries, I guess, and they're rewarded for this behavior, whatever. And it's been very brutal in my case, and it's never the child's fault ever. But, mm -hmm. you know, hold your boundaries. Be the parent you would be if you weren't in this. Be true to you, man. I mean, ultimately, like, this divorce, this custody case, it won't last forever. I mean, it's horrible. Now, can, <laughs> like, you it's not horrible? can you give an example of what you mean by boundaries? Because I think, I think people watching this might need to hear it so they can learn from it uh, what, what you mean when you say boundaries. Yeah, sure. So one of the things like I've had, I was forced into 800 hours of court-ordered therapy, which is 40 years. And I had to do that in two years. So I've done more therapy wow. than like so many people. And I don't have like a diagnosis, right? I just have this overlay and right. my ex-husband had to do less than 10 hours. So that's a little funny, but one of the things um, that I've learned to do is to really be inquisitive too. Like, so when you have a child coming at you, accusing you of things or being really just ugly to you, like I've had my kids call me fat and you know, unattractive and make fun of me, mock me. This is sort of a, a behavior we see, right guys? Like mm -hmm. this is not uncommon. Um, but I really 
you know, the first thing is to ask questions. Well, gee, it seems like you think um, that uh, I shouldn't wear this outfit. Why is that? You know, but not rude, like get inquisitive mm-hmm. with them, get them to kind of open their mind about, well, why is it that you think that it's appropriate for you to tell me what I look like or whatever, you know? <laughs> I mean, you know, I love you, but I'm an adult. Do you, is this appropriate? Is this what you would say to your teacher, you know, maybe, or something like that without getting confrontational, without, you know, pestering them too much about it. I mean, with my kids, I mean, you know, I didn't used to be able to say this, honest to God, but now like if my child's being really rude and sometimes my kids can be really rude and one of, you know, I've got two teenagers, so that kind of comes the territory. Anyhow. You're not alone there, Kelly. Yeah. <laughs> it's I mean, not just your kids. <laughs> I know. Right. So you've got this multiply, like this, super complex situation with the alienation, whatever, you know, coercive control overlay. And then you've got kids that are already going to be challenging authority or whatever. But I mean, if my child is rude to me, you know, I mean, I can't, there, there's many ways that I can't impose a consequence, especially like if you're, say you're under supervision or something like that, but you can at least say, well, you know, if you're going to speak to me in that way, you know, you need to go to your room for a bit. And if they won't do that, then you can't maybe mitigate that if you've got a supervisor there or something like that. But whatever, whatever um, sort of, I wouldn't say leverage because you're not trying to leverage your kids. You're providing them a consequence to teach them. Make because, them think yeah. about what they're saying and yeah, rationalize well, because, it. Hey. Because doesn't it take away your parental authority to have a child that disrespects you? And why do we have parental authority, but to teach children how to function in the world that they're going to mm-hmm. have you know, to function in a certain way, to have manners, whatever. Um, But just imposing a logical, normal consequence for a child. If you've got a teenager, I'm sorry, you're not going to be able to have your phone, you know, for the next few hours or whatever. Something simple like that, which maybe, honestly, you might not be able to do, but do what you can. But, but, um, and, and, and what happens is we get so scared, like, right? Like you guys are alienated dads, right? So you've been accused, I'm assuming, right? Yes. Is that Yes, false accusations. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing more terrifying than this beautiful, wonderful child that you love with your whole heart alleging something against you because they're being hurt, right? They're being set up to do this thing. And then having to deal with knowing that their accusation could further put them away from you you being able to protect them, right? right? It's horrible. So you really also have to get super aware. So a lot of us in this situation have post-traumatic stress uh, syndrome or whatever, post-traumatic PTSD, because Mm -hmm. it's traumatizing. It's horrible. Mm -hmm. Taking your baby. I mean, look at like what happens to a cow if you take the calf to the other farm. Like it's just in our mammalian instinct, right? right? But we're humans and we have reason and we have deeper love. And so, um, you have to really learn to understand what triggers you because you can become reactive in your stress and fear which I will say has happened to me. Like though the time I yelled at my kids, I was totally terrified about what was going to happen to them. And so they were able to use this isolated incident, which was a triggered event to, you know, justify their gaslight, you know, false narrative, whatever. Um, So you've got to learn to recognize when you're getting triggered and you've got to develop some coping mechanisms. And sometimes in severe distress tolerance, it means you walk away. Like you're just, you might not be able to solve the solution. Like we all want to solve. We have a part of our mind that's our emotion mind and our wise mind and our emotion mind is ruminating on this thing. How can I solve it? And that's your whole life, right? If you're trying to save your kid, but you've got to get your wise mind in action 
so you can find a place to where you can be collected, even when it's super unfair. I mean, they're, and, and also know you're not alone, right? right like, right. like we're in a community of people that have experienced horrible injustice and the worst injustice is knowing your kids are in an awful situation and not being able to help them. It's, it's terrifying. It's a heartbreak. It's the tragedy of your life, right? right. There are people on, I, I look, uh, it, another skill that I use is like comparing yourself to other people. Like you guys compare yourself to me. I'll compare myself to you. Like we're in this together, but I also look at people that are on death row for 20 years that have been, you know, this one guy, Curtis flowers, seven trials have been overturned and yet he's still in there, man. So there's just, we're, we're on this earthly plane. Um, I survived by faith largely and there's just a lot of injustice and you're just going to have to learn what are you going to do with what's been given to you? You know, and I think that's really important, Kelly, that we, we talk about that sense of community and having wise counsel that we can turn to Amen. because yeah. as, as parents, we are just imperfect people. We're going to make mistakes, but if you're an alienated parent and then you have to stand up and make some of the boundaries like you was talking about a while ago, um, we're, we're very much more harder on ourselves. So I think having that counsel and then this community to turn to is so, so important. Could you talk a little bit about the importance of having these people to talk to? Absolutely. And I would say like my first sort of thing I started was called custody hero. And that wasn't around you being a custody hero. It was around the people in your lives who are heroes in your life. When you're going through this people that stand beside you, believe in you, no matter what, um, I actually was able to leave my marriage finally because I actually got out of isolation. So community is a basic human need. And I think the community among this group of people is super important, but I also think it's super important to have external community, right? So you want to get involved with an interest that you love, like whatever it may be you want to like, for me, it's dancing. I'm a tap dancer. Um, or, you know, I'm a power lifter, whatever, find something that you love where you can meet people and, in those spaces, yes, you'll meet friends and make close relationships where you will talk about it, but find a place to just be you and get into like, I love dance and people love yoga and really mind body exercise because you have to be uh, doing, controlling your, your muscles so much that your mind really can't think of anything else. Try to escape it a little bit. Um, among ourselves, I think community is super important and these areas of discussion are super important. And I'm glad that people are doing them and I will always participate. But for me, my particular place that I want to be is a place where people can talk about getting support and staying strong, right? It doesn't, because it, then it becomes sort of, it can become, and everybody is righteous in feeling this way and in emoting and feeling and sharing. And we really do need to change the broken family court system, but it can become a complex, uh, bitch arena excuse my language of you know where you're preaching to the choir i mean you know let's get involved in our communities let's reach out stay involved with each other and empathize with each other and share with each other and there's wonderful groups out there and they have meant tremendous amount to me so i'm thankful to everybody for your advocacy and what you do but also find a place where you can learn to just grow and how to deal with it not just complain about it right right and bring that discussion into a broader audience and I think, I think we can do that. I think we can transition this into broader awareness. Of course, you know, the people that make money off it don't want that to happen. So we're going to have to be creative. Um, mm -hmm. I've got a really uh, interesting advocacy thing I'm about to do. I'm calling it the family court circus and I'm going to do an interactive uh, performance with 
with real performers during South by Southwest here in Austin right. um, to sort of present it as an al allegory with information about what happens to people in the family court system. So, right. and then raising media awareness about that. I mean, if you're a real activist, if you're in a horrible situation, you know, civil disobedience might be important. I mean, I think mm -hmm. that there might be a place where all of us should come together. You know, we've tried to march, but we've got to join lines around central um, communal things that we do agree on and not get separated by all the noise and the gender and the, you know, we got to look who's behind stuff. And we need to find the leaders that are really motivated for change and then aren't also trying to make their own agenda out of this because it right. does that does happen in political environments and this is a political realm right and kelly you know one of the one of the big things we're often have thrown at us here at dad talk is uh well you guys are just trying to make money you're selling t-shirts and uh you know people need to realize in order to defeat this system it's going to cost money uh and and we know our community is a very broken community financially i i'm part of that community so is eric so you know, are you, it, it, for us, it can be hard uh, to take a, make a $5 or $10 donation. But with that Babe, being I, said, I want to interrupt you here because I have struggled with this too. Like my heart breaks for, to hear that for you guys, because you have every need and every right to fund this fantastic thing that you're doing. And it's absurd. I hope it brings you great prosperity. I hope that, because I know that you guys are doing this for a reason and that right. you will use for your prosperity to push forward your message and to affect change. No, we can't function off a shoestring. And this is not, uh, you know, like from litigation to like buying your microphone for God's sake or paying your electric bill, but you should be able to, you guys have a real vision. I think you have a fantastic model from what I understand. I could, you know, I'm sure people come at me or whatever, but I mean, you're building a really good network. I mean, building a broadcast network is super expensive. You have to fund it. You have to get syndicated. You have to build press materials. You have to have people developing content. You're, you're producing your show. I mean, I worked in broadcast for like what? Like 20 right, years? Yeah. I think you know a little bit about it. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. Like, you might have built a small network somewhere. <laughs> yeah. So we also like, I mean, people can judge you and decide what they want to have their sticking point be. If it's on two guys that are trying to build a broad message to affect change and raising money to do so, I think you guys should have a good working, nice car and a comfy house for your kids to ride, you know, to come stay in. And I think you should, uh, I support your industry entirely. And I, I reject that. I mean, I am going to, I have free things that I offer like you guys do. Your broadcast is free, right? I mean, you're, this is your heart, your time and your, we've had how many discussions, Eric? Like a million billion, right? Yes, ma'am. It takes a while to build a program, right? So you're, you're spending all this free time. You should be, I mean, obviously you've got to be compensated and if you don't, uh, the better funded you are, the more professional you'll be and the more outreach you'll have, the more airtime you can buy, you know, the more stuff you can do. So that's just very short-sighted and they're just bitter. And it's as long as you're not in this for profit, which clearly you aren't, I mean, you can, I would say like you have to still live, right? right. But right. as long as you're in this for the right reason and you're using like, I'm trying to build this app. I want it to make a ton of money because I'm going to use it to lobby or whatever. But I, right. I might also take a vacation from now and then. I think that's perfectly valid with my kids. You know, I might be a successful parent with my business, but mm -hmm. I will always stay true to my ethics. So if you're coming from an ethical place, there's, I mean, you gotta, you gotta survive, right? 
Right. Well, and, and Kelly, part of my decision to do this with that talk, and I believe Eric would agree, uh, is I feel like at the point where I'm at in my cases, uh, the answer is not going to come from within a courtroom. It's not going to come from within a broken system. Uh, the answer is going to come by standing up and, and changing uh, this broken system and pushing and fighting for that change. And one thing we talked about a little bit earlier were constitutional rights. And I'm, I'm very firm on the belief that if people after losing a custody battle had the money to go challenge some of these decisions in a federal court, they would probably win. But the problem is, is after a custody battle, you're so financially drained, you're lucky to get gas in your car to get back and forth to work, you know, for the next month or so. Uh, so that those, those findings that are being handed down uh, through the circuit courts, like I, I really feel like they could be challenged constitutionally. It's just well, takes a lot again, of money to do that. Yes, I I agree with that, and I uh, I have something for you. So first of all, my heart breaks for you that you're at this juncture, and I sort of am at this juncture too, because I will not. Number one, it's super hard to stay in litigation when you know it's harming your kids, right? Like you know that even participating makes you a party even though you didn't file or whatever but it might i mean i really can't afford it you know i'm gonna do what i can i'm gonna i am learning and i'm fighting right um but actually i don't know if you know this eric because i removed like my current the current case that alex filed against me i removed it to federal court and i lost and the findings were ridiculous basically i raised a question of law which is something every american can do and if you search for my name or for alex's name you'll find my federal removal and people can model off of that in their cases what if we had like a mass movement of people that are maybe not like still have a chance right but maybe right. people that have been in this for six years or just really can't afford it or whatever. And, but they're don't, they, it matters to them. Right? right. What if we had a movement of people? Uh, I'm a constitutionalist. I'm a hundred percent. And I've been shocked by what people who say they're constitutionalists will do in this <laughs> venue, but maybe uh, people can look at that and, uh, and see if that's something they might want to do. It was rejected. They rejected it on uh, case law saying that a loser can't go to federal court. Well, guess what? I didn't lose, I won. And so I filed also a finding of facts uh, motion with the court saying like, do I not have a, a way that I can raise a question of law in federal court? Well, of course I do. That's what they're, they're there for, right? right? Do these things not matter? So um, I haven't plugged it yet, which is kind of bad, but I'm working on it. My site is, this is Kelly Jones. Best domain I could get with the name Kelly Jones, which is pretty common. So this is kellyjones.com. And um, I'm going to be updating it ongoing. I will have a place where people can like just subscribe to get info on like the Steadfast Society, which is my free support group or whatever, or different things that I'm working on. Um, but I will be posting my, uh, the various things I have in federal court now. And one of them is that removal and it's strong. I mean, I think these questions are strong. I think we need to get, there are a lot of really good law groups and we all know that the civil rights groups don't want to touch us with a 10 foot pole, but this is a civil rights movement that we're in. It is. You um, guys absolutely. are at the forefront. You know, the mom across the country who's just sitting there crying and praying for their kid, but is active and trying to, to stay present. They're in the forefront of it. There's a broad injustice and a brokenness in family court. The 14th amendment was not written to only include specific classes and protected classes and those classes should be protected 
but the 14th Amendment applies to all of us, right? And so we all have the right to due process. We all have the right to, uh, to our constitutional rights, you know? Right. So basically, I mean, I'm sorry. We just have to stay strong. But anybody who wants to model off of my thing can go to thisiskellyjones.com. Well, uh, is that up now, Kelly, or is it coming at a later date? It's up, but it's like a shell, and I have to take down a lot of my submenus until I can get really live because I'm building, like you guys, I'm doing everything myself pretty much, and I'm my own attorney against three law firms. Thank you very much. So I'm a little wow. bit busy and in state and federal court. So I'm, I'm really and I have kids that I want to spend time with. Um, and, and when I do, I certainly focus entirely on them, but yes, it's up for now and it's shelf warm. I promise you more. And I promise you also information on my network that I'm developing. Maybe we are working together eventually. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm doing a prevail network around sort of the brave and flourish model with family court discussion, but also just strengthening things for litigants as far as litigation, self-care, and, uh, you know, building your own sort of post-divorce you, right? right. Or, or during separation, divorce, custody, litigation you. Right. Now, Kelly, I just want to backtrack a little bit because I know you're, you're, you know, we have a time issue here, uh, but the Steadfast Society, that's something that you just brought up, but you didn't bring up earlier. Could you tell people about that a little bit more? Yeah, so this is the community that I'm building as like a free membership and people can just come there and it's more centered around like we're not going to necessarily, I mean, people can obviously, you know, ex express what they're going through, but it's more about supporting each other in that and tips and information that I will relay, you know, like free information and then discussion around certain things that I think will really empower people because I had no clue when I first filed for divorce, that any of this could happen. And I have learned so much. And I would say one thing to everybody who's listening, if you're in any kind of custody or divorce litigation with children, whatever it may be, know what your orders are. <laughs> Read your family code for your state. Understand and learn as much of the law as you can because you go in there and unfortunately we trust our counsel and some are very good. And we will never be attorneys in our short, expansive time that we have to be attorneys in this. But if you understand what basic rights you and your kids have and what you are supposed to be doing, which seems to be a big problem with some people, what you can and can't do, that will really help you a lot. And it may seem so fundamentally simple and ridiculous, but honestly, a lot of people don't. Organize your orders. Organize the pleadings. Know what pleadings are in your case. Like Learn what's being said make sure and stay proactive. And like I said, I'm, I'm working on tools and I'll have free tools there too, to help people sort of keep track of things. I mean, one of the big things I'm really super, super focused on is actually just like organization and file structure and knowing how to keep track of all these complex things. Cause it, in my case is very complex, but it is a complex situation. So you can set it aside, right? You know where it is, you, you know where it is. And then you get to go be with your kids, which is the ultimate goal. But also, like, be with you, right? Because let's face the facts, too. Like, in a normal situation, you have your kids. You're not just like, hi, I'm your mom all the time. Like, even just being in their life, like, normally, right? Like, you're just around them being a human. So, and the more they see you, like, maybe for me, I lost a lot of weight. I got strong and power lift. Maybe they see you like, wow, you know, this perception that I'm being told, this doesn't jive 
with the reality when I'm with this person, right? right? Or wow, mom's really cool or dad's awesome. He likes to, you know, go to whatever it is that he does, you know, um, I don't know. I'm trying to think of something. Uh, he likes to uh, go to a succulent workshop. I don't know what it is. <laughs> that maybe might not be it, but you know what I mean? Like go play golf or whatever it is. Right. You know? Kelly, and, and you can forgive me if I, I kind of overstep my boundary with this. I just got to ask though, what would it mean for you to be able to get Alex to the table to where you two could, you know, work this out and, and you know, and do it, what is best for the children, but to also, how awesome would it be to get him involved in this fight against family quarters? Well, I mean, I've offered a million, that's a little hyperbolic. I, I have just had him recently withdraw what was obviously not a, a truly presented offer to sit down and talk to me. I mean, I haven't even really spoken to him outside of like the litigation process or mediation in years. Um, unfortunately, some people are not able to let go of their vengeance and are just, I, I believe there's a toxicity there and my empathy is with him. Like, I'm not here to say, oh, like make fun or anything. Like I have tremendous empathy for people who are damaged or harmed and have uh, negative behaviors that they exhibit because I've seen it happen in my own kids from what they've gone through, right? So, I mean, if somebody's not well and they can't help themselves, whose responsibility is that really? It's really the people that are enabling the behavior who should have shut it off long ago. But I mean, the sad thing is, is that at the very beginning before InfoWars was a thing, before Alex Jones was Alex Jones as, he's a very different rendition now, but, but back when, you know, we were, I don't know, before I divorced, basically, like, I mean, before all of this super bipartisan stuff, Alex was a libertarian or yeah. he presented himself to be and a constitutionalist. I mean, uh, I think people should be really clear that libertarianism isn't a modified form of super conservatism, right. super conservatism. It's a, libertarianism is a focus on the constitution and on what our structure of our country is founded on, on the law and our rights and leave everybody alone basically right like i think family court can be the ultimate opposite to that and it has a standard that's not in accordance with law but is this you know uh, sort of ephemeral best interest of the child standard right? right um i mean if only if only alex would start you know and and actually he used to talk about family court, right? And about all these issues. And he had Nancy Schaefer on, who's a big hero yeah. in this movement now to see space. She rest in peace. Um, if only he would come to his senses and do this. I, I think it would build his brand. I think it would help people see that healing is possible. I mean, I'm a, I follow Christ and I am always willing to have a heart of forgiveness. We right. have to uh, be accountable for what we do. But man, if only it would be, it would change my children's lives and yeah. countless other children's lives. <laughs> you know, Kelly. it would be so impactful and so beautiful and, and beauty is out there, Alex. You can come back to the constitution. You don't, whatever has happened, please, right. yeah, no, please, please come back, come to Jesus, man, come back. Kelly, I told uh, Eric when we found out, you know, we were going to, we set the date for this interview. I was like, you know what? I guarantee you, you give me 10 minutes in a room with Alex Jones, I will get him to mediate with Kelly and change his whole position on this issue and have him start advocating for it. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm not going to go into too much detail, but I followed his show for a very, very long time. And I saw the change that you're talking about. And uh, I'm, a, I'm a libertarian myself. 
And I, I really enjoyed that aspect of InfoWars, uh, the libertarian yeah. Alex Jones. I felt like that when that's when the program was genuine and it, when it, it was, was two true. sides of the same coin. And, yeah. And, and, you know, dog and pony show and all of these, these, you know, sound bites. And that, that I felt was true. That's why I was so shocked that he right. would basically use a system. And I, you know, I do feel that this happened very clearly that he disparaged and thought was unconstitutional against mm -hmm. his own family. Right. Um, but I have too had long had that, uh, is that, I might have audio products FaceTime. Hi. Um, I mean, I've long had um, that, that same dream and conviction. I have reached out to him about it. I have said it to countless people that were, you know, uh, that I was, cannot talk about who I was talking to. Like, right. let's get him to do this. He's right. deplatformed. Let's get him to come back. He's going to build this great, beautiful thing. It's gotten very dark and ugly. We don't have to, you know, the thing is, is that sadly, you know, a lot of people make money off of Alex, including his counsel, including people right. that keep him in this uh, negative paradigm. And this has included his family members, I believe, and they've profited off of the divorce. So it's sad and sick. I invite you all before God to come to the table and be decent for the kids' sake. We can change this with an audience as big and as much money and power has been behind that platform we could use that and we could change the world. That's right. We definitely could because, I mean, this is a fight and we're inside of a community that, you know, let's face it, most of the parents have been through this. They don't have money, you right. know, and that's I facing know. alienation. And Title 4D, you want to talk about one of the, the biggest battles that we've got out there in a platform like that would just, you know. Right. And I hear, this, I hear your heartbreak, Eric, and I'm so sorry. It is. And it, it I is. mean, uh, it's valid. It's there. You know, it's just so awful. And mm -hmm. I, I want you to know that, that you are affecting change. What you're doing does matter. You are, my experience of you is that you're a unifying force and that your message is beautiful from what I know. I mean, I haven't watched you that much, but my experience of you is that right on brother Eric, keep on keeping on, believe, 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 and pray, pray, pray and believe right because if we have faith as a mustard seed the mountain is moved so let's all just believe together let's just move the mountain together but in your own time take care of you know that people respect and admire what you're doing and it has value and it's important and maybe we won't change it in our lifetime it's up to god but we are setting we're planting seeds towards tremendous change no matter what happens well i sure do appreciate that kelly do you have anything coming up or is something where people can find you? I know you've already plugged your website. I'm going to ask you to do it again. Well, I'd be thrilled to do it one more time. It's thisiskellyjones.com. I'm going to be uh, in relatively short order starting to post the Brave and Flourish and Divorce Client Savvy things I'm working on. I will have a sign up where you can go ahead and start participating in the Steadfast Society and a lot, a lot of information and tools. So I'm there to support you. And also I have, I will be posting, I'll be looking like y'all and y'all are welcome to <laughs> reach out to, but for people that want to be on the network that I'm doing or, and it doesn't have to be my network. I just want this information to get out there and I right. do know how to make it happen. Right. That's my background. So, um, I'm excited about engaging in more public discussion, different ways of doing it. And I'm just looking forward to what you guys have lined up because you guys are just getting out there and kudos to you. Thank you. 
I sure do appreciate it. And uh, Kelly, it was so nice talking to you tonight and hopefully we'll see much more of you in the future. Yes. I sure hope so, Eric. And I care about you guys and your kids. You guys stay strong, keep the faith and keep on keeping on. Thank All you. Right. That was beautiful. That's got to be your sign off on your network. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. All right, everybody. Thank you for joining us tonight. Kelly, we'll see you next time. Okay. Bye-bye. This has been an episode of Dad Talk Today with your host, Eric Carroll. Thank you so much for being here today, Dad. It means the world to us. Join us next week as we release a brand new podcast. And until then, visit us over at www.dadtalktoday.com where you can find merchandise that helps support this podcast as well as a contact form where you can send in your questions, concerns, comments. You just need to reach out to somebody, you need somebody to talk to. Send us that email, brother. If you're here, you're family. Until then, we will see you next time. Stay cool. Stay dead.